Guys, I am just going to level with you. Swiping right is not a good way to meet a spouse. Hookup apps don't lead to lifelong hookups. But listen, that doesn't mean that all online dating is a bad thing. In fact, our executive producer, Kate, met her fiance, Eric, and they, they really are perfect for each other on Coffee Meets Bagel, which is a dating app. I just learned about it. It's hard to meet somebody in real life. And that's not a new problem. It's always been hard to meet someone. In the days of yore, there were arranged marriages. In some parts of the world, that's actually still a thing. And dating services, kind of a formalized approach to matchmaking, have been around for more than 100 years. And guys, <laughs> this won't surprise you, but almost as soon as computers were invented, people started using them to help find dates. The first computer dating service was launched in 1959. But what if... What if instead of being set up with someone through an app or through your parents, what if you got set up by the church? Back in the 1960s in Western Ireland, Father Michael Keane noticed a problem. He saw a pastor in need in the parishes here in the west of Ireland. There was uh, immigration was rife at the time, and he experienced uh, people, a lot of men in particular, who were lonely. So. Father Keane did what any person would do. He, he set up a matchmaking service. He called it the Knock Marriage Bureau, like for Our Lady of Knock. Later, he called it Knock Marriage Introductions. A press report at the time he launched it said the Bureau aimed to attract young women to the west of Ireland from America, England, and Dublin, and introduce them to the bachelors in five Connacht counties where men outnumber women by two to one. So the, the way in which it operated was that um, you, a person who wished to meet a partner, you completed an application form. This is Father Stephen Farraher. Father Stephen is a parish priest in the Archdiocese of Toome, and he was the most recent director of Knock Marriage Introductions. You filled in your application form, you filled in some information about yourself, your interests, your hobbies, what you would like, the kind of qualities you would like in a, a possible partner, and if you're prepared to travel. Applicants to knock marriage introductions had to be free to marry, they had to be interested in a Catholic marriage, and there were age limits. They had to be between 28 and 75. After they submitted an application, interested parties would pay a fee that would guarantee them several introductions over the course of one year. If there wasn't a spark, well, they could always renew for another year. It was uh, made clear from the outset that there was no guarantee that the the that the BO would be able to find them a partner. But sometimes there was a spark. The service says it introduced more than 18,000 couples, resulting in 960 weddings. I would take an application and I'd look at it and somebody would say, I'd say, when an application would come in, and I might say, oh gosh, yes, I have somebody there now that'll match that person. This is Leona Connery. She was a matchmaker for Knock Marriage Introductions. I would have matched them on location. I wouldn't expect anybody to drive any more than an hour's drive. Interests were important, you know, if they had, in, you know, the same interests, it would, was great. Some people were very particular about height. If, uh, if a girl was taller than them, the man wouldn't be very happy about it. But, and uh, very seldom would a man meet a lady that would be older than him, you know, all of those kind of things. Leona said most of her clients were between 35 and 42. She says she had a lot of clients who were widows or widowers. Sometimes 
it would work right away. Sometimes they might have seven or eight introductions before they re- really meet the person that they would be happy with. But in the early 2000s, knock marriage introductions, which by then had been going strong for like four decades, began to have some competition because of dating websites and then dating apps and applications to the more formal, serious, traditional matchmaking service began to slow down. The demand had begun to fall. Difficult to know exactly why, but because, mainly because we live in a very different world nowadays. People have access to mobile phones, greater transport. Um, it doesn't mean that there isn't some loneliness still out there, but um, people probably have more means by which they can meet a partner. It also didn't help that many of the couples who found each other through knock marriage introductions were pretty reluctant to share that information with the world. I suppose one of the problems we had was that while couples were delighted to contact us and tell us like that we had been responsible for bringing them together, that they were never, they were always reticent about being interviewed. After 50 years of introducing Irish people to each other, Father Stephen and the board of directors at Knock Marriage Introductions made the difficult decision to close down the service. We did so at heavy hearts. Father Stephen said that although Knock Marriage Introductions couldn't compete with modern dating apps, the service offered something a little bit more special. Though some of the people who did come to us said that there was something good and personal about being able to talk to somebody at the end of the phone. Leona was that person on the other end of the phone. I'd always keep in contact with them. Once I introduced somebody, I would ring them again the final week and say, did you meet? And if they hadn't met, I'd say, when are you meeting? And then if they met, I would still follow up and say, how are you getting on? And if they had problems, they'd ring me and say, you know, what do you think? Do you think this guy is serious? I don't know whether he's really serious about me or not. So on the quiet, I'd probably ring him and have a chat with him and, you know, In the last year for Knock Marriage Introductions, in 2018, three couples that Leona set up got engaged, and three more couples that Leona set up got married. I suppose going back years ago, it used to be kind of the hopeless cases would go to Knock, you know, the people that hadn't met somebody. But that wasn't true of today's world. In a way, I suppose at the time of its foundation, it was ahead of its time. And uh, basically, I suppose uh, it had got to a stage where it had served its time and we had to take stock of that as a board. It was of its time and it served its time and the time had come for to wind it down. Guys, what made Knock Marriage Introductions so cool is that Father Keen found something in the world that was working. He found dating services that already existed and he transformed them into something for an even higher purpose. He, he helped Catholics to find long-lasting, life-lasting, holy marriages. He adapted something into something much more beautiful. And that's what we're talking about this week. We've got a couple more stories about ways in which the church has adapted things into something serving a much higher purpose. First, you'll hear from a mom who is sharing sacred art through an atypical medium. And then a community of Capuchins in Denver go total hipster, They open a food truck to serve the poor and homeless. You're listening to CNA Newsroom, the podcast that brings you the people behind the headlines. I'm your host, J.D. Flynn. Stay with us. 
You've reached the CNA Newsroom. CNA Newsroom. CNA Newsroom. CNA Newsroom. Welcome to CNA Newsroom. Lisa Fixler loves sacred art. So much so that in 2006, she started a company called Full of Grace USA that repurposes antique holy card art, printing it on socks, phone cases, even temporary tattoos. And her home is filled with Catholic artwork. My husband's like, don't bring home any more religious artwork. This is not a church. This is our home. One day I was in my kitchen and, you know, I have three kids, my youngest. I don't know. He was maybe 10 years old at the time. But his best friend from next door had brought over his longboard. And I was just looking at this longboard laying on the floor in the kitchen. And I was completely horrified. The longboard was covered in what Lisa described as horrible images of death and ugliness. Now, Lisa had been to skate shops before because her kids liked to skateboard. But there was something about these images being inside her home where she had carefully cultivated a Catholic environment that brought Lisa to ask herself, why can't we just, you know, take this beautiful Catholic sacred art and put it on things like this, like skateboards and longboards? And that was the beginning of Lisa's company, Motherboards. Motherboards designs and sells skateboards, snowboards, and soon surfboards, adorned with Catholic imagery or text, such as the Sword of St. Benedict, Our Lady of Guadalupe, St. Michael the Archangel, or the Sacred Heart of Jesus. Something that Catholics in particular can be super proud of and kind of rejoice in. Lisa said the boards have been pretty popular, especially among young Catholic men. But riding a board with Catholic imagery doesn't come without risk. I think anytime like you're a young kid and you're going to take a risk by riding a board like this, with this kind of creative in a skate park, you're definitely taking a risk. You're, you're opening yourself up to ridicule because that's just how it is. You know, it's, it's a very dark sport. Just kind of a propensity and an inclination, I'm not sure why, but there's throughout the years, throughout the decades of the development and the evolution of skateboarding, this has just been this like kind of kind of a darker kind of subculture um, that's been attached to it, unfortunately, for some reason, even though it has nothing to do with the actual sport. This is Friar Gabriel Cortez. He's a member of the Franciscan Friars of the Immaculate, and he's one of Motherboard's sponsored skateboarders. We've been a skateboarder for 31 years, and I just very much enjoyed it, how I get my exercise. And um, when I do go out to skate parks, um, I try and get out there um, twice a week. He said, before riding for Motherboard's, he always had to be very selective about which boards he would ride. And you had all kinds of boards that were just, like, promiscuous and graphic. I mean, I would never ride a board anyway, even if it was good quality and I had nothing else. I would probably, what I would do is probably buy the board, sand it down, and then just polyurethane it and then use it. But now, Friar Gabriel says his skateboards are an extension of, and witness to, his Catholic faith. Because I'm Catholic, because I'm a Franciscan, and because I'm a, you know, I'm a child of God, um, that's how I operate. And that's, you know, the things I say, the, you know, the, my conduct, everything kind of just flows from that. Engaging in skateboarding, snowboarding with a Catholic conscience makes all the difference in the world. Through his sponsorship with Motherboards, Friar Gabriel has traveled across the country for demos, skate jams, and visits to schools. Right now, that's not easy. How hard would it be to do it in like a wool dress? I don't know. I just feel like when you got the Lord on your side, anything's possible. 
He said the Catholic imagery on his skateboard and his Franciscan habit have been good conversation starters at those events and even at the skate park where he practices. It's a venue that a lot of people don't have access to just because it's kind of um, intimidating. To me, this it's I'm not intimidated by that environment just because it's the environment I kind of grew up in. I guess I don't have a um, a soft look to myself. I mean, I I've got a shaved head and I've got like I can I look a little bit maybe intimidating and a little bit kind of fierce looking um, myself. So you know I kind of fit right into that sort of like um, that maybe that apparently harsh looking crowd. But I come bringing peace in in the gospel message. You know when you know, if people are open to it. Lisa said she's received some pushback from people who say Catholic imagery shouldn't be used on things like skateboards. It's sort of like being in the middle of this no-win situation, and you're never going to be able to make everyone happy. But we feel like that there's such opportunity to bring some light into this darkness that exists in this extreme sports area, you know, the snowboarding and skateboarding, that it's worth it. For CNA Newsroom, I'm Carl Bunderson. We'll be right back. Hey everyone, my name is Mary Farrow and I am a reporter with Catholic News Agency and I'm here with my husband, Kevin. Kevin, why do you like to listen to CNA Newsroom? Well, I listen to CNA Newsroom to make my 45 minute commute shorter and to ease the pain of traffic keeps me up to date on everything that's happening in the Catholic world, and when I want to learn more, I can always hit the website later. We also like to listen to CNA Newsroom at home in our apartment. Thursday nights are usually our free nights, and that happens to be the day that new episodes of the podcast are released. So while we're making dinner, we like to tune in. So pop online and hit subscribe. Find CNA Newsroom on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or most anywhere you get your podcasts. And now back to the show. It's a warm summer morning in the heart of Denver, at Civic Center Park, across from the State Capitol building. This morning, there's a dark brown food truck parked on the street next to the park, and a line of people stretches out in front of it. In a city like this, especially this time of year, it's not uncommon to see food trucks dotted about, selling crowd-pleasing treats of all kinds. So is it like coleslaw and taco salad that you're serving yeah. today? Yeah, chicken, really coleslaw, good. and then taco salad. Yeah, I really But as far as we can tell, there's only one food truck in all of Denver that doesn't sell anything. We wanted to do something that was hands-on, and we wanted to do something that was of service to the materially and spiritually poor. And so we thought, well, food trucks are really popular today. What if we had a food truck and we didn't sell anything, we just gave everything away? Everything that comes from this food truck is free. And they're not giving out junk food. It's good stuff. The truck is staffed by several plainclothes volunteers, but the main operators of the truck are the Capuchin Franciscans, who are all decked out in their signature brown habits. Father Joseph Mary Elder. I'm uh, with the Capuchin Franciscans, and uh, primarily I work in communications and vocations, but uh, on the weekends I work with the other friars together on this food truck ministry. The friars work with various parish groups and other charitable organizations throughout the city to collect the food and distribute it in different locations where the homeless typically spend their time. 
you know, we took it out for the first time. We had to figure out a lot of things like, okay, where are we going to get the food? How are we going to make the food? Logistically, where are we going to go? What are the laws and the rules? And we don't want to get in trouble, you know? And so um, the first few times was really an experiment. Um, and we've learned a few things, uh, um, you know, measuring, the, uh, taking the temperature of the food uh, every half an hour just to make sure it's what it's supposed to be according to the safe serve regulations. Um, but, you know, the more we've done it, uh, the more we've learned. And, you know, it's just something that the Friars love doing. We look forward to doing it. The truck is certainly not the only ministry giving out food to the homeless in Denver, but they are unique in a couple of respects. A lot of times, they're not always the healthiest menu items, and so there's a kind of almost an epidemic level of diabetes among the homeless people. And so what we try to do is provide healthy alternatives. It's not just about giving out food, because like I said, a lot of people do that. So one of the things we try to do is, you know, we're Franciscans, it's Order of Friars Minor, it means Order of Little Brothers. And so. We try to live this fraternal gospel life within our community, but then also try to bring that out into the different people that we meet and we serve. The Friars typically bring the truck out on the second and fourth Sundays of the month. On the first of the month, a lot of people get government assistance, so there aren't as many out looking for a free meal. Part of it is that to remember that the people on our streets, just in the time of Francis, whether lepers, that they're our brothers and sisters. And so to try to bring that, that gift of brotherhood wherever we go. And so because we do this quite frequently, we've gotten the opportunity to know a lot of people, even by name, and they know us, they know when we're coming. And so we get to talk with them and we share their stories, they share, we share our stories with them, pray with them, and so it's really it's more than just giving out food, it's, it's more like being with your family. You know, sometimes there's this stigma that uh, the homeless are there because they're all alcoholics or drug addicts, and that's not true. And, you know, and I've learned a lot just being out here working with, with people that there's people who, because of circumstances, they got behind one month on a rent check and the next thing you know, they're on the street. And so um, there's just sometimes a stigma that's attached to people who are living on the streets, but they're our brothers and our sisters. And I think when you come out here and you talk with them and you work, you know, hands on with them, you realize they're not, they're no different than we are. It's just different circumstances put them where they are. And uh, if we can help them, we should help them and encourage anyone else who can to you know, to take a step out, to be bold, to put out into the deep and uh, to, to try something different, you know, to be, a, be of service. And um, ultimately, that's what we're judged on. Jesus says, you know, you're going to be judged by love. You know, once it's over, sometimes you never see the people again. So, I mean, but I mean, I certainly see that there's a spiritual hunger. People come up and they share their faith with us. They share stories they've had of encountering God. And we kind of speak into that, share our own stories. So it becomes like this dialogue of evangelization. Um, so it's fulfilling for us. I hope it's fulfilling for them. The Capuchins' initial idea was for a homeless shelter, but they didn't have the manpower for that. Plus, they wanted something a little more creative, and something mobile that they could take with them to the places where it was needed. Where you work with a family, they're a foundation called the Routes and Family Foundation, and they're good friends of the Friars, and they wanted to support us, and Routes and Family Foundation uh, found a truck. It's basically a, a FedEx truck, and uh, when we got it... It really looks design. incredible. It has some awesome images of of the brothers, yeah. you know, standing together, doing service together, sure, and yeah. and then a, a, a picture of a stained glass window of St. Francis, so it's right. very, very appropriate, and, and appropriately it's, uh, it's Capuchin Brown. Exactly. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, um, and so uh, they customized the whole thing for us, and then um, we asked our post-novitiate, which are guys, post-novitiate friars are guys who are, uh, they finished the first year of postulancy, they finished their year of prayer, which is novitiate, which, more intense year of prayer, and then they come back to Denver for their third year, which is post-novitiate. That's usually when they begin training either for some labor industry or priesthood. And so it's during that year, uh, we, we asked the, the, the guys in that year to be in charge of the food truck ministry. And so they're the ones who are kind of the, the hands behind the truck. 
we were the original brothers that started off with this food truck. Oh, really? Okay. This is Brother Jude, one of the brothers who's taken the lead on this food truck project. Um, we'll get gather volunteers to do the food prep. They just tell us what sort of ingredients they have in mind or recipe. We shop for it. A few of us will work with them, but majority volunteers will help do all the food prep. And then we keep it at their parish, uh, and then on Sunday morning, like this morning, for example, we go, we go ahead and pick it up from Notre Dame, and then we head straight to our first location. The Capuchins food truck has already been so successful that they're looking to expand their operations. During the colder months, we, uh, we we'll bring like uh, hats, gloves, um, socks, underwear, just lots of things that you wouldn't necessarily think of off the top of your head that these are needs, but socks are one of the most popular things we give out uh, during the winter. Also, we give out uh, coffee. Um, co <laughs> coffee's probably the most popular thing we have, so. <laughs> you know, our hope is in the future that, um, you know, when there's like relief efforts or things like that, um, you know, there was that big flood um, almost a year ago, and you know, things like that, where we could bring it where, you know, bring resources that are needed and when there's crisis and things like that. So that's also a kind of a desire in the future to be able to respond to, you know, tragic needs. For the homeless and needy in Civic Center Park, young and old, the truck serves as a visible reminder that Catholics in the city see them and are continually working on ways to lend a helping hand. For CNA Newsroom, I'm Jonah McKeown. That's our show for this week. CNA Newsroom is a production of Catholic News Agency, a service of EWTN News. I'm your host, J.D. Flynn. We're produced and edited by Kate Vike and Joan McKeown. Our executive producer is Coffee Meets Bagel spokesperson Kate Vike. Special thanks this week to all of our guests. We'll talk to you next week.